Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Down to the wire, the big three automakers bracing for a strike, but possibly not at all plants. What will the impact be today on the show? The Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention and the Central Alabama Teachers Union. Welcome to the Thursday, September 14th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Well, as part of Suicide Prevention Week, we have another guest. Our first guest on the show today, Sonia Bowman. Sonia is with the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. Here's a website that has a whole lot of information about suicide. Prevent Construction Suicide. Dot com real simple prevent construction suicide.com why construction well it's the number one industry for deaths by suicide we're going to talk about that on the show a little background on sonia she is the executive director this is a nonprofit organization that was started back in 2018 the mission to provide and disseminate information and resources very important there resources for suicide prevention and mental health promotion in construction with the goal of creating a zero suicide industry. That's a tall order, but they're making strides, and she's going to talk about that. Now, Sonia comes from what they call a reconstruction background. What does that mean? Well, she was in commercial remodeling, so she knows what goes on with construction workers. She's also a loss survivor. So this is very close to her heart. She sits on several nonprofit boards, including the Delaware County Suicide Prevention Task Force, Greater Philadelphia Chapter, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She says, I'm keenly aware of the work that still must be done to erase the stigma around creating a culture that is smart about mental health and suicide prevention. She's been doing uh, presentations around the entire country. One of the things we're going to talk about is the guidelines for reporting on suicide. You know, when somebody takes his or her own life, well, that's a media story depending on that individual. And uh, the organization that she works for has some guidelines on this. Number one, do not feature suicide stories on front pages of newspapers or main landing pages of online media and do not mention the word suicide or method in the headline or in the opening paragraph of the stories. Now, this applies to broadcasts. Prominent placement of the word suicide and method has shown to lead to contagion or copycat suicides. Important information there. Also, the do's and don'ts. Speaking out about suicide, telling your story can save lives and be part of a healthy healing process. We'll get into that 
with uh, Sonia. Sonia Bowman is our first guest on the show today. And later in the show, we're going to go down to the state of Alabama, central Alabama, and that would be the Central Alabama American Federation of Teachers. And joining us is the president of that union, Erica Hughes. She is uh, from Gardendale, Alabama, and she is a 17-year veteran teacher for Jefferson County. Now, Central Alabama AFT was chartered as the Jefferson County AFT local. That would be 2143 in January of 1971, the year I graduated from high school. For the past 50 years, they've been fighting for the rights and working conditions of their members, and they've got some problems. <laughs> yeah, they got some problems. In Bessemer, Alabama, the school leaders are not providing information on salary and financial spending discrepancies. We'll talk about that. Union-busting activities in Mobile, Alabama. Previously, Mobile superintendent banned books from being given out as part of the AFT Reading Opens the World Initiative. I don't even want to talk more about that. Struggles retaining teachers and a shortage of qualified teachers in the state. That's a national national problem there. CentralALAFT.com is their website. Erica Hughes will be joining us later in the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, offering fixed income real estate equity investment options to clients around the entire country. $17 billion in assets. Boydwaterson.com. Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, better known as the Big Three, the Detroit Three, are nearing the deadline for negotiations. It's 11.59 tonight when UAW workers plan to begin a stand-up strike. This would mark the largest strike activity by active union employees in the U.S. in 25 years. So far, none. None of the Detroit Three have come close to offering the UAW's proposed 46% pay raise over 40 years. Over four years, not 40. <laughs> Stellantis has offered an increase of 14.5%. Ford and GM, 10%. Yeah, they're far apart. Now, the UAW leaders have called automakers' offers disappointing and they demand a higher share of the firm's profits. And yes, they are very profitable. Automakers pulled in $21 billion in profit in the first six months of this year. Can you believe that? The uh, union's demands also include restoring pensions, a 32-hour work week, job security, and an end to the use of temporary workers. The UAW has announced... They will initially target only specific plants for work stoppages, but could include others or change plans entirely by the deadline tonight. I mean, everything is in motion right now. Everything. Focusing strikes on a few strategic plants could help the union to extend their strike fund. They have $825 million in that strike fund. The potential for strike has drummed up some attention from politicians. Nancy Pelosi, the former Speaker of the House, said automakers now, quote, have the means and opportunity to invest in their workers. Bernie Sanders wrote an opinion piece that 
all of us should support the strikers if the UAW chooses to strike. However, President Biden on Labor Day remained optimistic that a strike would not happen. Now, UAW leadership has pushed back, explaining that it's time for politicians in this country to pick a side. And I have to point out, while most other labor unions have endorsed Biden's re-election bid, UAW is not. They're holding back. Previous to uh, 1976, strikes have often been used as a bargaining instrument at the Detroit Three. UAWs went on strike at GM for 113 days. That was in 1945, the end of World War II. Now, what kind of impact will a strike have? Well, it depends how widespread the strike is. But um, if they all go out, a month-long strike on the three automakers may lower output by as many as 500,000 automobiles, half a million. When it comes to employment, the auto manufacturing sector accounts for 9.7 million jobs. Now, keep this in mind. There's like 150,000 auto workers, but you got the supply chain. So almost 10 million jobs, which, by the way, is 5% of U.S. private sector employment. If the strike goes for 10 days, that may cost producers, employees, suppliers, and sellers about $5 billion. A week-long strike at Ford, just a week at Ford, that may influence earnings by $550 million, whereas an identical motion may shave off $480 million from GM's earnings and $400 million at Stellantis. We'll see what happens here. Now, with all the options on the table, the union has been trying to mobilize workers at plants around the country through practice pickets and online town halls. Todd Dunn is president of UAW Local 862. This is in Kentucky. He said his union spent the recent weeks preparing its members at Ford's Louisville assembly plant and the Kentucky truck plant for the possibility of a strike. He said that being prepared across the board is what's key right now. And Todd went on to say, in my 28 years, this is the most dialed in that we have been. The Senate confirmed Gwen Wilcox to a second term on the National Labor Relations Board, this allowing her to serve on the board until 2028. The Senate voted 51-48 to confirm Wilcox with Democratic Senator Joe Manchin voting against her nomination and Republican Senators Lisa Murkowski and Dan Sullivan breaking ranks to provide the necessary votes. The board's Democratic majority issued a number of consequential decisions in the months leading up to the end of Wilcox's previous term, and her confirmation solidifies that majority for at least another 15 months, with Chair Lauren McFerrin's term expiring in December of next year. Meanwhile, the White House is currently reviewing the GOP's pick to fill a Republican seat that has been vacant since December, and that was a condition of Murkowski's Support for Wilcox. So there goes uh, Joe Biden again, going against his own party. 
The Internal Revenue Service has announced that increased federal funding under the Inflation Reduction Act and the help of artificial intelligence will enable a new push to go after 1,600 millionaires who owe at least $250,000 and 75 large businesses with assets of about $10 billion apiece that owe hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. You know, there's some in Congress that don't like that idea. They uh, they like their rich buddies. They don't want the IRS to go after them. Senator Ron Wyden, who's a Democrat out of Oregon, who chairs the Senate Finance Committee, said, the plan goes to the heart of Democrats' efforts to ensure the wealthiest are paying their fair share of taxes. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, Sonia Bowman with the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at I-F-P-T-E dot O-R-G. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be a WF Union Podcast. This next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment. You can find more at ulagency.org. And if you go to that website, too, we had Dave Meganhart on the show about 10 days ago, and he was talking about online courses. There's like 5,000 online courses that you can access for free, for free, if you go through the UL Agency. And uh, just go to ulagency.org. And you could sign up for those. And if you want some skills for a better job, that's where you want to go. 5,000 different classes. It's amazing. All right, let's go to the city of Chicago right now. And joining us on our live line is Sonia Bowman. She is executive director of the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. 
And this is one of several days in a row that we are highlighting this topic because it's Suicide Prevention Week. And it's very important to get the message out about the many, many, and I mean a lot of resources that are out there. And we're targeting the construction industry for very good reason, because the construction industry has a high rate of suicides. And we're going to talk about that on the show. And the goal here of the Construction Industry Alliance is to create a zero suicide industry. And we're making strides. Sonia Bowman, welcome to America's Workforce. Thanks for joining us today. I understand you joined uh, the Alliance. Uh, well, you were volunteer. The Alliance was actually started back in uh, 2018. But you became, what is it, their first employee about six months ago? Let's pick it up from there. Is that right? Absolutely. So you are correct. The Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention started in 2018, and they were a full volunteer organization with an amazing board of trustees. And I joined the alliance in May of this year as their first executive director. And I understand uh, you worked in the commercial remodeling industry, which obviously uh, you worked with a number of uh, people in the trades. Can you can you talk about that? So obviously that gave you a, a heads up on this situation here with, with suicide. Yes, it really did give me an opportunity to take two things that I am passionate about and bring them together and, and really get to do what I feel like is my dream job. Um, I worked for a company that focused on light remodels, refreshes, and facilities maintenance for the last decade. Um, my position there, my last position there was with as their executive vice president of culture and really focusing on the things that allow our teams to be successful. Um, and then I had this wonderful opportunity having had a loss myself. Suicide prevention is something that is near and dear to my heart and something that I've focused on on a volunteer basis with other organizations for years and had an opportunity to marry the two of them and be part of the amazing work that the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention is doing and it will continue to do as we grow. So it's personal for you because you suffered a loss. And that's interesting because we started this week off and you know this person, mm-hmm. Sally Spencer Thomas, Dr. Sally, as we yep. call her. And she suffered mm-hmm. the loss of her brother back in 2004. Now, you mm-hmm. uh, you do some seminars with her, correct? Yes, Dr. Sally and I are co-chairing the Construction Working Minds Summit, which is in February of 2024. So I'm excited that I get to follow in her footsteps on this call. If you don't mind, can you give me a little insight into that, uh, the Construction Minds Conference? I, we talked about it briefly on Monday. I'd like to hear your perspective. Well, it really is a coming together of all of the people that care about this topic in this industry. And there's so many out there right now. Uh, we'll be highlighting some great speakers. We'll be highlighting some great companies. Um, we'll be highlighting, obviously, the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention and sharing our stories, sharing our resources and sharing uh, some ways to really make a difference in lowering the number. Um, suicide in construction is four times a four times higher rate than the national average. I know that number. Uh, we've talked about that on the show. I, I'd like to know 
why it's that high. And I understand because there's injuries on the job. Sometimes workers take to prescription drugs, sometimes illegal drugs. And uh, there's a conflict there. And you don't know what's going on at home. But you're an expert in this field. What's your uh, what's your take on this? Well, I think it's important really to know that there's no one single factor that drives someone to suicidal ideation. But some of the things that we can look at is that the things that we love about our workers in the construction field, and that's that strength, that determination, and that grit are all the things that also on that sort of flip side stop them from asking for help as well. Um, you know, no one in this industry wants to be perceived as soft or weak. Um, and so it's really important that we create caring cultures to be able to build awareness and put protective factors around identifying risks so that we can help our workers seek the help that they need. You reference the stigma that you're yeah. weak. Are, are we getting a little bit better on that? Because there's been a lot of tension to this subject, especially on Suicide Prevention Week. I was, I'm just wondering, in your view, is that stigma a little bit going away right now? I think it's still out there, certainly. It's the nature of our business, right? We don't want to talk about feelings. We don't want to share. But what I do believe is that this industry is ripe for this conversation, and there's lots of people having it. And being invited to conversations like the one that we're having today, that the one that you had with Dr. Sally, that the one that you had with Jamie Becker, all really great ways for us to continue to remove that stigma and to pull that veil away a little bit um, to let people know that it's okay to not be okay, but it's also okay to get help. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of help out there, isn't there? There really is. Mm -hmm. Can you run down the, the services that are available? I'm sure you're very acquainted with them. I mean, you've done a lot of presentations around around the country on that, but is And there's some that are better than others. Can you reference a few for our listeners? I think there's lots of resources out there for sure. Um, you can go to preventconstructionsuicide.com. That is the CIAFD's website. On our website, we have a free MindWise screening. So we have partnered with MindWise and the Riverside Trauma Center to put a screening tool available on our website. It's 100% free and 100% confidential where you can go and get a level set of how you're feeling. And then it will suggest next steps to getting some services that you may need. Certainly there are um, other resources out there like NAMI or ASSP, which is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, and when in doubt, you can always call 988. Now, the people that are involved in these services, are they very well trained to handle a situation like this, somebody contemplating suicide? Sure. If you were to reach out to 988, the number is geo-tracked to the area code that has called, which means that if I call from an area code in, let's say, for instance, Philadelphia, I will be mm -hmm. contacted to a local crisis intervention center. Um, or a crisis hotline that is within that area code. 
and I will be directed to services should I need them in that area code. So if you're traveling, unfortunately, it will track to your area code. You can always ask to be put to services that are, are really where you're from if that's what you're looking for. Um, but then they will try to de-escalate the call. And about 98% of the calls that go to 988 or to the crisis text line as well are able to be de-escalated without further intervention. We're speaking with Sonia Bowman, who is the executive director of the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. She referenced a couple of services there. This website is fantastic, preventconstructionsuicide.com, Prevent constructionsuicide.com. Sonia, I have to ask you, did you ever have a conversation with somebody contemplating suicide? Has that ever happened with you? Unfortunately, it has, yes. And, mm -hmm. and how, did, how did you handle that? Well, I'd like to say that I handled it with compassion. I'd like to say that I handled it with um, ease, but it's not an easy conversation to have, certainly. Um, I, you know... No one's really prepared to have it as much as you might practice, as much as you might know. Um, but making sure that you're able to get a commitment to safety from the person that you are talking to that has confided in you, making sure that you have removed any access to lethal means. Um, what's important to know is that if you suspect that someone you care about or even um, someone that you love or even know uh, is, is feeling or having thoughts of suicidal ideation, it is okay to ask them. You know, you're going to start, obviously, start out by saying, are you okay? And typically they will say, yeah, yeah I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it's important to ask twice and to say, I know you told me that you're okay, but I noticed. And then you go through some things that you may have noticed about them that are, are different behaviors, things that are out of the norm for them. Um, and, and if they still are, are hesitant, you can come right out and ask. And it's really important to say, are you thinking about harming yourself? Are you thinking about dying by suicide? You will not put that idea in their head. What you will do is hopefully interrupt that thought process because the mindset of someone who is contemplating suicide or has suicidal ideation is very singularly focused. And if you can break that focus and create some time between their thoughts and them being able to carry out the act, that's really where you save lives. So there, there's layers that you have to, it's like, like peeling the layers of an onion and you got to find out the root cause and, and hopefully it would be successful. In the case that you just demonstrated with an individual, was this somebody that you knew or somebody you didn't know? No, it was someone I knew. So it's a little bit easier in that case. You know, that's why in our business, it's so important that we are teaching people to look for risk factors. We're teaching people to look for changes in behavior or changes in language, changes in mood, um, so that they can ask the question, are you okay? And that conversation that you had, was it successful? It was, thankfully. That's what we want. That's exactly what we want. Sonia Bowman joining us on our live line today. PreventConstructionSuicide.com is a website you need to go to. We're going to continue the conversation with her because this is National Suicide Prevention Week. In fact, tomorrow, 
There's a high rate of incidents with suicides among veterans. Jeff Stouffer is going to talk about that on behalf of the American Legion. We're going to continue that conversation with the person that put together their Be the One campaign. That's a Monday of next week. Later in the show, we're going to go down to central Alabama, check in with Erica Hughes. She's president of the Central Alabama American Federation of Teachers. They got some problems with union busting and also banned books. It's all part of America's workforce. Back in a few. This is America's workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AF. GE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. So please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment... Brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go back to the city of Chicago. Joining us on our live line today, Sonia Bowman. She is executive director of the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. Again, this is Suicide Prevention Week. Prevent ConstructionSuicide.com. Construction is the number one industry for deaths by suicide. We've been addressing that on the show pretty much all this week. Sonia, I want to talk about the guidelines for reporting on suicide. And I spent my entire life in the media. And this is very, very important to our audience because I see, and I thank you for uh, sending this information to me, the guidelines are based on research, 
qualified research that has shown that safe and supporting coverage about suicide can positively deepen the public's knowledge related to suicide and mitigate suicide contagion, which unsafe reporting can exacerbate. Let's talk about that. And there's some guidelines for the media. Uh, Maybe you could run some of these down. And more importantly, is the media following these guidelines? Go ahead. Well, I think that this conversation really applies to anyone who would speak on this topic. Whether we're having a conversation on the soccer field, whether we're having a conversation in a business meeting, whether it's the media talking about it, it's really important that we are not sensationalizing the topic. And it's really important that we're using destigmatizing, compassionate language around suicide. One of the things that is a change in the way that we speak about suicide is that we refrain from using the term commit. It's really important that we are taking that term out of our vocabulary and choosing to say things like died by suicide. Commit has lots of connotations that make us think of crime or a sin or anything else that may be negative around that word. Uh, So being able to remove that term from the conversation allows us to have um, a better opportunity to to broach the subject of suicide in a more destigmatizing, familiar, comfortable way. Um, it's a hard conversation to have no matter what, but when we choose appropriate language, it creates less barriers to the conversation. Totally understood. So would you say that the media, the public, who's ever reporting on suicide in the media, is such a broad landscape today, can we throw in social media, are are these guidelines, in your opinion, being followed? I think that they're trying to be followed, and I think there are wonderful organizations out there that will share ahead of a conversation the guidelines, and they will share when they notice that someone is not following the guidelines as well, the information. Um, we're really lucky that there are people out there talking about it. Um, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention speaks about it on a regular basis. There are news agencies that simply follow it as a course of action, but not enough people know about it. And not enough people know that it's important to remove that first person narrative from talking about mental health or a mental health diagnosis. So instead of saying that person is bipolar, you would say they have bipolar disorder. Um, or, you know, you would you would just kind of remove the, the stigmatization. We refrain from words like weak or selfish. We talk, don't talk about method. Um, And I think that's really where when you talk about Robin Williams or um, Anthony Bourdain or anyone else that is famous that has died by suicide and you talk about the contagions that you mentioned, the more we desensationalize the conversation and really focus on how we can provide help um, and how we can prevent suicide, Uh, the more that we are able to change that narrative and really focus on the tools that people need versus making a um, a media uh, kind of splash about someone's death. 
Sonia, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the situation with Robin Williams. We talked about this a little bit before the uh, podcast today. And Robin Williams, I remember the day when we got the news. I was with my daughter in the kitchen, and she said, oh, my God, Robin Williams died. And then uh, we found out that he took his own life. And we were like, what? What happened? I mean, there's a perfect example there of an individual. You see him on TV. You see him in movies. Funny guy. But obviously, the problems that he encountered ran deep. And if you don't mind, can you address that? Because that's what we're dealing with. We don't know what's going on in a person's mind. Can you uh, can you speak to that? Sure. I mean, I think that, you know, it's important to recognize that there is no one thing that causes someone to have suicidal thoughts or to carry out those thoughts, that it's often a convergence of factors. There is a feeling sometimes of burdenness. There is a lack of connection. Um, You know, there are lots of things that come together that make people feel like they are not afraid to die. And when those sort of all of those factors come um, and converge on each other, that's when you have suicide attempts or thoughts of suicide. Um, And it's really important for us as a society to speak up on changes in behavior that we see, to to look at those, um, you know, those, those changes, those characteristics that we might be seeing in someone that's different than their normal behavior, recognizing the signs and speaking up on them, because you might be the only person that does. Trust your gut. If you feel like someone's behavior is different or concerning, ask them. Pay attention. I want to throw out another website here. You mentioned the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Their website is AFSP.org, AFSP.org. They talked about the guidelines for reporting on suicide and speaking out about suicide, what to do, what to avoid. Very important information there. Well, Sonia, this is a National Suicide Prevention Week. I'm sure you're kind of busy with this subject. Anything else you want to call attention to? Any uh, any workshops? And 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 this is an an issue. I mean, okay, uh, September is Suicide Prevention Month. We're going to be doing more, as I indicated in the first segment with the American Legion next week. Also, the Teamsters will be joining us next week. But there's a lot of workshops, a lot of resources. Anything that uh, you want to call attention to that you personally will be involved with to uh, to deal more on this topic? Sure. I think it's really important to direct people, especially in the construction industry, back to our website because there's some amazing tools there. It's preventconstructionsuicide.com. On our website, I think I mentioned earlier, we have a free MindWise screening. We also have free toolbox talks. Um, That will, there's a series of five of them that spell out the word stand, and each letter is a topic of conversation for that toolbox talk. And then I would say get yourself educated. If you don't have time to take a full day training, if you don't have time to do a two-day training, then at the very least go on our website and access the Living Works training. It's a one-hour virtual training that allows you to use the task method and to know how to tune in, ask, state what your concerns are, and then connect with someone to help. Sonia Bowman, Executive Director of the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. Start with that website that she just referenced on the show, preventconstructionsuicide.com. All one word, preventconstructionsuicide.com. 
Sonia Bowman, thank you so much for joining us today. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep in touch with this on all all that's happening in this field because it's important we get that message out, okay? Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for having the conversation. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. Coming up next, Erica Hughes. We're going to go down to Central Alabama. She serves as president of the Central Alabama American Federation of Teachers. Back in a few. This is America's Workforce. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. You cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too. It's crazy. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be replaced by machines. So the jig is up, AMPTP. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. Let's go. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part, and how appropriate it is, by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Speaking of which, let's go to uh, Central Alabama. Joining us on line number two right now is Erica Hughes. Erica is president of the Central Alabama American Federation of Teachers. They were chartered back in 1971, chartered as the Jefferson County AFT Local 2143. And for the past 50 years, they've been fighting for the rights and working conditions of their members. And it's been a tough road here recently. Website is uh, centralalaft.com. Erica Hughes, I see you're a 17-year veteran teacher in Jefferson County, which is uh, Birmingham. Um, more of a liberal area of uh, Alabama. Thanks for joining us today. Talk to me about what's going on. I'm, I'm reading about union busting, 
shortage of qualified teachers, book banning. Sounds like you got your hands full, Erica. Absolutely. That is definitely an understatement. And as of last night, we're taking away First Amendment rights because we have now districts that are refusing to allow members to join Central Alabama AST because they are telling them they missed the deadline. And that is not true. So um, today we will be fighting that. So, yes, we definitely have our hands full here. Well, let, let's start with the uh, the the teacher shortage and keeping teachers. And we've had many conversations with the teachers and Melissa Cropper, as I mentioned, the OFT, she's a dear friend and she's a fighter. We have issues in the state of all, it seems like some of that Southern strategy is moving North when it comes to, you know, banning certain things and uh, obviously fighting unions. I mean, that's happening all around America today, but talk to me about your shortage over there in Alabama, specifically central Alabama. You know, it's sad because teachers and support staff are finally having enough. You know, there's a lack of respect in education altogether now. And what we're asking teachers and support staff to do is unacceptable. You know, we keep putting more and more on their plates and, you know, they're paid from eight to three. But we all know that during the summer and after hours, they're constantly working to make the school day, so to speak, better. And we keep adding to their plate, but not doing anything to compensate that. Um, the amount of respect is dwindling every day, both by parents, by board members, by district offices, by students, and teachers and support staff are getting to where they can't take it anymore, and they're deciding to leave the profession. And until we get the respect back and we're able to take things off of the plate and spread the love, so to speak, they're going to continue to do so. What about uh, funding? I, I saw a survey recently that Alabama is way down the list when it comes to funding public education. I think they're like 46 out of 50 in the country. Is that still pretty much the case there? Yes, absolutely. You know, funding is an issue, but even if you talk to our members, you know, funding and money is not everything. Yes, it definitely helps. But your mental health is just as concerning as funding. So if their mental health isn't good, then they're leaving because they can't take it anymore. So funding is very important, but their mental health is also funding. So that's why we have to make the changes that we need to make to keep the teachers and support staff. And funding is important when it comes to the quality of education. Uh, yeah, 46 overall in education, uh, 46 for school safety, 43rd for reading scores, 42nd student-teacher ratios, and uh, 42nd for quality of education. And uh, obviously that's a big part of this thing. But is the legislature, are, are they at all addressing this issue? Has it, come, it had, had it come up in the late, latest session, didn't it? It did, but, you know, it's time for us to take a look at what districts are doing with the money that's coming in, because we can continue to load district offices and hire supervisors, and, you know, supervisors aren't the hand and feet in the classroom. So, obviously, what we're doing isn't working. So, we need to be putting more hands and feet into the classroom 
because they're the ones having the interactions with the kids. We don't need to continue to send them to professional development that they've sat through for years that's not making a difference. We don't need to be adding people to central office staff. We need to be adding people to the classrooms that are interacting with the students because that's who's making the difference. I understand there's some problems in Bessemer, Alabama, and this has to do with the financial spending discrepancies. What do we know about that, Erica? Yes, we are definitely having issues there. I requested for the state to come in two weeks ago, and I'm not getting anywhere with that. We are. We spent $1 million in four weeks on summer school. I've asked for a breakdown of that and have not received that. We're also paying classified staff on a certified schedule, which is against state code. We have central office staff employees who are certified staff in a, I'm sorry, they're classified staff in a certified position without any degrees whatsoever. So, you know, it's time that we take a look at the spending in Bessemer and who are in positions and do they have the qualifications to be there. And we're not making any headway with the state and we really need help. So what's the next step on something like that? Do you have to find some legal counsel to to dig into this a little more? Well, we're definitely going to do what we have to do. We're not going anywhere. We're going to continue to fight, you know, at the board meeting on Tuesday, the transportation director came in and spoke about adding a building for part-time bus drivers with an air conditioning, but we have students, teachers, and support staff that are sitting in the classroom every day and have been for years without air conditioning. And in Alabama, it's over 100 degrees. Oh, so yeah. we're in, we're our priorities are not in line. We're also yeah. going to replace the roof and windows at the central office staff and pay parking lots. But we have teachers and students sitting in classrooms without air conditioning, ceiling tiles falling in as class is going on. So our priorities are not in line, and we are not going anywhere until someone listens. But they are quick to ban books and... Bust unions. I understand in Mobile, Alabama, there's some shenanigans going on with the union. What uh, what can you tell us, Erica? Yes, the superintendent there has not been well to work with. He is not welcoming, welcoming us in at all. He's refusing to meet with us. We've had phone calls, emails, visits, and he refuses to meet with us. Also, we gave 40,000 books with through first book and AST. He accepted those books. We had part of them delivered to the central office. And then because we ordered Harry Potter and Artemis Fowl, which are two books that sit on the shelves in his school library, he told us he was no longer participating. We had to have those books moved to the cruise terminal. The mayor of Mobile worked with us and allowed us to store them there. And after I went to the media, he came back and decided that if we would give him a list of all of the books provided for all 40,000 books, that he would vet them and allow us to come in. So we were able to do that. We had all of the books moved back from the cruise terminal to central office, but he refused to allow some of the books to come in. 
now he has decided to let the principals of each school site decide whether or not they will allow us in. So we have principals who are against unions refusing to allow us to come in to speak to the teachers and support staff to give them the right to join us. By the way, we're speaking with Erica Hughes, president of the Central Alabama American Federation of Teachers. She also serves as president of the Mobile Alabama County Teachers Union. CentralALAFT.com is her website. We've just got a couple minutes left here. I have to ask you, Erica, I, I'm a, I appreciate you telling me all this. We have a, a pretty big audience here in America's workforce. But what about the local media there? Are, are they hearing the problems that you're telling me? And I'm just wondering, because I know the media has changed dramatically over the years. A lot of newspapers aren't around anymore. A lot of radio TV stations have really trimmed their their staffs. But is anything going on in that area that, that you know, are they addressing, the, especially the book banning? That's a, that's a national issue. Is that happening? Well, unfortunately, politics play a lot in the media here. We do have one station, WVTN Channel 13, who has been amazing and very supportive of airing what we need and getting us help in shedding light on the issues that we're facing. But as far as other channels, they do not go against the districts that are causing us issues. So, you know, in Mobile County, they're not allowed on the sites of the schools or any property that is owned by the schools. So when the book banning happened in Mobile County, they wanted to do an interview, but they did not get allowed access. Not surprised. So with everything that's happening, Erica, how's how's uh, everybody holding up in the union right now, in your opinion? Really, it's adding numbers because they're finally seeing that American Federation of Teachers is going to fight the fight and continue to support them. And so if anything, it's actually growing our numbers because they finally see that they have a voice and are begging us to continue to fight the fight that they have been fighting, especially in Bessemer for years and have not been successful because they didn't have anyone to stand their ground. And they see now that Central Alabama AST and Mobile County AST will not go anywhere and will continue to say what needs to be said and fight the fight. Well, you got a powerful group behind you, the American Federation of Teachers, AFT.org. That's the national website. And uh, joining us again is uh, Erica Hughes, Central Alabama AFT, CentralALAFT.com. Erica, hang in there. Stay in touch with us on all of these issues, okay? Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate the support. Anytime. All right, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce tomorrow, the American Legion and the Alliance for Retired Americans. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.